but if you invest in something really simple like index funds, some of them are really, really low expense ratios, like 0.04%, as opposed to like even 0.7 for um, a, a target retirement fund. Um, exactly. At least this is based on what I know, what my experience were. Yeah. Uh, so check your uh, your funds in your retirement <laughs> accounts or your uh, accounts. Make sure that you understand expense ratios because when you're starting, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. But imagine when you're in your retirement age, you're in your 60s, of course, all your savings for decades. Um, if you've got, like, for example, a million there, the expense ratio is 0.7 versus 0.04%. Just imagine how much you're paying per year. It's That's really a big difference, right? Yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This week's guest on the podcast has a really amazing story. From his initial discovery of personal finance to becoming a successful house hacker and real estate investor, and how it has changed his life so far. In part one of this two-part interview, Eric and I get to chat about a bunch of really cool topics, including his extraordinary story, first discovering personal finance, the things that they don't tell you about retirement accounts, and so much more. This episode was so much fun and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 68 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we get the great pleasure of chatting with Eric Sambrano, an absolutely awesome real estate investor, as well as a rehab doctor. What's going on, Eric? How are you, man? What is I'm new? Good. I'm good, Kyle. Thank you. Good morning. This is exciting. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> this one, this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm very excited to have you on, my friend. This is, uh, this is awesome. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> very appreciative to be here. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming up. Um, yeah, so to kind of jump right into things, man, you know, what kind of got you into real estate? You know, if you could kind of tell me a little about your backstory, like what's your, what kind of got you going? <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, I grew up uh, in the Philippines. I was born and raised there throughout uh, to from, from birth to medical school, basically. So I never really thought of leaving the Philippines and coming to the U.S. Uh-huh. Um, so after med school, lots of my classmates are going to the U.S. for training. So that's what I did, too. So I signed up, studied for the boards, eventually got here in 2006 for training. So since starting med school in 1999, um, basically all my time is focused on medical school, medical stuff, um, training, call, post-call, pre-call is basically, I don't have much time, but that's what everyone's doing. Uh, my family's pretty much medical background. So having lived with parents that are both uh, in the medical field, they're both doctors. So that's kind of the path that me and my brothers, all of us kind of took, because that's kind of what was laid out in front of us when growing up. So yeah. um, got here 2006. So did training, 
I traveled a few times all over the country in the U.S. So from North Carolina, I was there for a few four years, Miami for another year for another training, and I graduated 2011. Uh, still no real estate or whatsoever. It's definitely not in my radar. So I was trying to get a job, but because of my visa, somehow I need to convert that so I could work here as a uh, what do they call that now? Um, working visa, right? So from training visa to working visa, somehow that process is always kind of murky and you don't know really how to go about that. So it took about a year and three, four months from training, from graduating to having an actual job. Wow. So I didn't have any job for more than a year. And that was a hard time because I was pretty much in a limbo and the timeline wasn't laid out for me. I didn't know it's gonna take a year and like three, four months from graduating training to getting a job. So um, that was tough because I wasn't earning. It's a good thing my brother's around here in Minnesota. So he basically supported me throughout that year and a half. I've got a lot of friends, a few friends who helped me throughout the way. Stayed with one of my friends in Charleston for six months. I know we're not, talking about real estate yet but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> uh, I was in Charleston six months I learned so much in uh in terms of kiteboarding there so my friend was a kiteboarder one of the best time in my life still not working <laughs> just trying to learn kiteboarding at the beach in Charleston South Carolina so it's amazing uh still waiting for my job so anyway 2012 around fall um I got my first job in Minnesota the university so that's great. I was just uh, waiting to start my job and just put my head down and just be a doctor, right? Uh, a rehab doctor. Yeah. So during that time, from a financial point of view, I got introduced to a financial advisor. Somehow I started my job. There's a financial advisor who said what they needed to say, said all the good things. Uh, one of my focuses, I don't know about finances. I don't know about retirement accounts. They're, now the university is presenting me with, well, I've got, you've got these options. You've got retirement options, right? 401A, 403B, because uh, they're an academic institution. Then you have a 457. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know how to manage those accounts. Yeah. Um, and then this financial advisor, I asked them, like, can you help me with this and make sure I optimize this? because I don't want to deal with it. I don't have time to deal with it, which is unfortunate because I was just trying to be the best um, young physician that I can, yeah. uh, which took a lot of my time because um, you constantly are learning, right? There's a lot of growth. It's different from training. Now you're on your own. You still have your senior mentors, senior doctors in your department that you can ask questions, but you're basically literally on your starting pretty much, right? Um, so I was with that financial advisor for about four years. And unbeknownst to me, they didn't really optimize me for 1K, which probably in hindsight, they probably aren't able to. They just said yes to me and I just believed it. And, and I was not financially savvy enough to look at my accounts for that four years to figure things out that are automatically right off the bat I think I was contributing two, 3% to my retirement accounts, mm -hmm. but in the Midwest, especially, at least as far as I know, 
they matched you really generously. And I wasn't able to capitalize on that. So that's, um, I guess, well, opportunity cost loss, right? Um, after about four years in the time that I was moving out of Minnesota and moving to Boston around 2017, that I probably had the time to look into my accounts and figure out, oh, oh no, I wasn't <laughs> contributing as much as I can. Yeah. I wasn't maximizing like, how, how, how was the 403B at that time? 18,500 per year that you can put your money in? or 19,000, I don't remember exactly anymore. Um, I was contributing really, really low. And that's the matches, the free money that they match your contribution is really, really low. <laughs> and I basically fired with financial advisor. They're, they're kind of useless to me. What they did actually for that four years is they encouraged me and I signed up for, which is my fault, to invest in a whole life insurance, which is a whole different topic uh, for me, it, it sh I shouldn't have done it. It, I, it wasn't the best for my situation to do it. Um, basically, what I put in for those four years is basically what I got out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just imagine all the compounding interest uh, opportunity lost there that it could have earned so much money that four years. I think it just went to them, to that company. So it was so bad when I kind of learned about that. That's also the time that I learned about personal finance. So I started listening to podcasts um, about personal finance. White Coat Investor, there's a, a podcast in a company by um, Dr. Jim Dolly, White Coat Investor, which I learned so much about how do I optimize my retirement accounts? What should I be doing? If I have in a, um, extra savings from that, where should, what should I be doing with that? from my situation where I need passive savings, right? Because I don't have time, I can't do any active investing, pretty much. And I don't know anything about finance. So I learned about investing in taxable accounts in index funds, which is probably the easiest uh, set and forget type of stock investing. <laughs> and it's probably really safe, safe enough that it goes with the market as far as to, to put it simply, right? That's how I understand it. Um, disclaimer, I'm not a tax advisor, I'm not <laughs> a legal expert, please for entertainment purposes only. So that I say, um, take that with a grain of salt and consult your legal and tax professionals. Um, so I learned that. Um, when I moved to Boston for a new job, I actually live in, Boston, Cambridge, and work in Salem, New Hampshire. So the drive commute is pretty much like 45 minutes, 15 minutes, yeah. um, at least reverse traffic, which is great. So I had a lot of time listening to podcasts since yeah. 2017. For the entire year of 2018, my savings rate, I really focus on it. Um, they recommend 20% savings rates for gross income, right? I was able to put uh, to save around 35, 37% of my income. I was so pumped about that. I was, I'm doing great. I cut down my expenses um, and I was saving a lot. So I was able to not only maximize my 401k, my new job, uh, but also was able to save a lot in my uh, taxable accounts in Vanguard. Yeah. 
So I was so happy with that. And then after more than a year renting in Cambridge, um, this is the first time it happened to me that they want to increase my rent. <laughs> Before, when I live in North Carolina, Miami, Minnesota, it's the same rent year over year, given oh. that I didn't need to move. I didn't need to stay there more than two, three years at a time. Yeah. So I just kept on moving, right? But during the two, three years in renewal, the same rent. So I was like, this is great. This is perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then in Cambridge, they want to increase my rent for like uh, 200, 300 bucks. This is BS. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 it's crazy. Uh, given that, yeah, I know it was a, it's one of those luxury uh, buildings. I was paying 2,400 for a studio apartment in Cambridge. Plus parking, underground parking, because don't, don't want to deal with snow, shoveling and stuff for an extra 250 bucks. So just imagine that. And then my rent went from 2,400 to 26 plus 100 per month that following year. I'm like, I need to do something about this. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that led me to, guess what? Bigger Pockets podcast. Hey. Yeah, that's how real estate uh, entered into my life. Like I was driving back and forth for almost two hours a day, right? I uh, listened to bigger pockets for solid for like half a year for six months. I'm like, I need to do house hacking, right? That's where the light bulb came in. I need to do house hacking <laughs> in, in the city of Boston, right? So to an agent through bigger pockets. First house hack. Um, still not knowing a lot of uh, real life. Really, I was so afraid of putting out my niche, my comfort zone, which is the medical field, right? Going to real estate and being a, uh, buying my own property for the first time, which yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's a little scary. <laughs> it is scary. Um, my background, I don't know anything about houses. Growing up, if there's something wrong, my parents would just hire someone to fix it. So I never learned anything. I was so afraid to just owning a house because I don't know anything about a house. Um, do you, growing up, do you know anything, a lot about houses, how to fix things and stuff? Nope. <laughs> yeah, so same, same with me. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. So just owning a house was scary. Acquiring um, a few units um, to rent out was scary. Don't know anything about that. Talking to managing tenants, don't know anything about that. Landlording laws, don't know anything about uh -huh. that. So, <laughs> uh, but I want to jump in because I know this is the way to go. This was right for me. This is going to put me in a better position from a financial standpoint because um, I was focused on saving, decreasing my expenses, right? From renting 24, 2600 in Cambridge plus parking of 250. Um, so that's how I started. I got a triplex, a tree family in East Boston um, that summer of 2019. I leveraged really my real, real estate agents back as a network. Um, she basically handheld me for the entire process because I don't know anything about what's happening. I just, um, I, I learned a ton, learned a lot, right? And the first thing we did in the house was to install 
landlord mailbox inside yeah. apartment, right? <laughs> <laughs> so first thing I was thinking, how am I going to get the checks? I don't want to go door knocking and asking for a check, <laughs> right? So they need to put that in. One of the issues there is it's fully occupied. And the rents were like half of market rents. Yeah. And the house is super expensive. <laughs> it's in Boston. It's in Boston. Um, so we purchased that house for 820 and the rents were like a grand each. Yeah. Uh, there's one paying 1,200 grand, which is still way below market. So just knowing now like the one quarter central, there's totally not even close, uh, probably not even half of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a scary time. Um, so I need to ask someone to leave, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what oh, I <laughs> learned a ton about that. I was super scared, but yeah, it happened. I'm living there still. Um, so that's how I got into real estate. That's crazy, man. There's so much I want to unpack in there. Literally, yeah. like, that's, that's like quite the story, man. Like going from, you know, growing up in, in the Philippines and like, you know, like going this like really traditional route, you know, of like your parents being in the medical field and, you know, same thing with like your brother as well. And, um, you know, like going through like all of this, like really crazy education and like, you know, going to like a whole nother country and like different places in that country. Like, it just sounds like quite the, quite a crazy experience, you know, of like just, you know, going through all this stuff and like in completely different places. And, um, you know, that's, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's very kind. <laughs> and like with the um, what's it called? With like the financial advisor stuff too. There's there's something I want to point out in there is like most people, you know, just kind of follow that like traditional path of like, oh, you know, like I don't want to deal with my money. Like, you know, I'm just gonna go to this guy and like he'll tell me how to do it and like everything will be all right. And like that's just the norm. You know, like if this guy tells me to jump, like I'll jump, like, oh, you know, <laughs> like make as much money as I can. And like most people, like it's just normal, like not to think twice about it, you know, and, and like it's absolutely huge. And like, you know, it might be huge for a lot of people out there, you know, like you did, like if you ever have some time to just kind of like, you know, check things out and like see like, oh, like what am I like actually like putting my money into like what what are these returns looking like like who is this going to because like most people don't know you know and like you just kind of keep putting your money into it over and over and like you know oh, and like retirement like everything will be great like putting all this money away and even like you were saying like something um you know like the match and stuff like that like a lot of people you know they just like throw their money into like a 401k like with work and stuff and like you know just don't think twice about it but mm -hmm. like when things change is when you start to ask questions you know and then like you said you found out that like the match was absolutely like absolutely crazy you know and it's like oh like i wish i knew that like a couple of years ago you know like it, it could have made a huge difference but like most people just don't know and like they could go you know like 10 20 30 like 40 years without actually like you know asking questions and like being able to you know potentially make a, a significant difference in return you know after like just kind of going with the flow and, and hoping for the best eric i wanted to ask you so with that um 
like the the whole life insurance policy that you were in for a little bit was that part of um like the infinite banking thing by any chance uh does that I ring think, a bell at all or <laughs> i've heard of that i'm not quite familiar with infinite banking i think you bank yourself and you pay yourself is that right exactly yeah, I, I was curious because like I was a part of one for a little bit. And like I know some people like really love it and some people like really hate it and think it's really stupid. And like I'm kind of caught in the middle. <laughs> uh. You know, and, like it just I think it's really interesting. Um like the concept is really crazy. So guys, like essentially what it is, and like Eric said, you know, I'm not a financial advisor or anything by any means either. <laughs> We're just having fun, you know, so take it as you will. But yeah, so like the way I kind of understood it was like, basically you're buying like a, a whole life insurance policy, right? And it's something that like you put money into every month, like premiums and like paid up additions and stuff like that. And, you know, over time, like it'll take a while for it to actually, you know, start to build up a decent amount and then compound, you know, it's, it's kind of like investing in the stock market or um, really anything else, you know, that's influenced by markets. But the difference with this is it's completely independent from the stock market. And like, it's, it's just kind of like its own thing, you know, and like building on its own and everything. And, you know, like Eric was mentioning, like the goal is to kind of like be able to like take loans and stuff from it, but the money stays in your account. So like, you know, if you wanted to put like a down payment on a house or like, you know, like fix like a roof or something like that, like something pretty significant then you know you're able to take money out of it um or take a loan out of it and then pay yourself back you know so like it's not like you're you know taking a loan from the bank or something like that but yeah it's the concept is crazy and like some people really love it and some people really hate it i personally couldn't really get into it that much but <laughs> yeah i don't know I much about, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know much about that sounds like there may be some use for the right situation and right people. Yeah. Um, I think there are so many tools out there, so many loan products or savings products or investment products. Everything is just a tool. You just need to make sure it's the right fit for you in your situation. Exactly. Yeah, for, that's huge. Yeah, for that whole life insurance, just looking back, it wasn't the right thing for me to do at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so I should not have done that. Um, I think one of the concepts is if you stay there really long enough, then it's might as well stay there uh, yeah. for many reasons. Or if you're really, really high net worth individual, that may be something for you to utilize. But for most people, probably not. But I, I can only talk to, for, for, for my situation. It wasn't the right thing for me to do at that time. Yeah. And that's yeah. tough, man, you know, because like, uh, for me, I was putting in, I think like 500 bucks a month. And like, in the meantime, like it was starting to, you know, get into real estate and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, well, like, I'd much rather just hold on to that 500 bucks a month in my bank account, you know, to start saving up for a down payment and you know, this kind of thing. And I'm like, this is like, cool. Like, I like the idea, but I agree with you, man. Like, I, I kind of realized like, it wasn't really where I wanted to be right now like it, it didn't make sense for for where I was um you know and, and the goals that I was trying to make in the short term and stuff like that I mean later on who knows you know but for now like <laughs> it just it didn't make sense for me you know that's why I was curious like we've talked about it a couple of times um 
like on the podcast but like it's something that's not talked about that often and like like I said like some people like absolutely love it like it's the craziest thing in the world and some people hate it a lot and think it's stupid <laughs> so it's kind of like it's an interesting like yin yang like balance kind of thing and like it's it's interesting <laughs> yeah but yeah no I, I feel like that's something that's um that's pretty important you know is to kind of have that self-awareness especially when it comes to like where your money is going and being like oh well like here are the goals that I have like does it make sense for me to you know keep going with this or you know like just stop it and put my money into something else and like that's something that's really big like even with like you know like your your 401ks at work and stuff like that like you know if you want to like if your company has like a huge match or something like that yeah I mean it's it's gonna make sense you know depending on like where you're at um you know to like put in like the contribution that you want and like have to match like x amount and stuff or for your situation like it might not who knows yeah so one of the things i learned in uh 401ks and retirement accounts is um you actually need to manage them yourself and put them in a i guess um invest it in something that you want yeah and I thought it was done for you automatically, which it is. It, it has a default. <laughs> uh, uh, it has a default, I guess, what do you call it? An asset that they invest it in, right? Some companies or some plans invest it in a re retirement fund, right? It just auto rebounds itself throughout the years. Um, or I think many of them auto defaults it to a fund that's uh, got a high expense ratio. Yeah. So over time, that's not probably the best thing, but you can probably do better if you learn more and you understand these things that you can just change the set things and it invests in something that is better, better returns, less expenses. So that's one of the things I learned when I looked into this um, uh, 401k stuff in personal finance. Um, it's yeah. huge stuff, man. It's, it's like life-changing information. You know, like once you find it, it's like, oh, okay <laughs> you know like it's definitely like an eye opener like to everything you know it's it's crazy especially like the um like the expense ratios alone like you know like you could be putting your money into like you know like a 401k or like you know different investments and stuff and the expenses that like it costs you which i'm not 100 percent sure like what the actual like expenses are but like basically i want to say it's like like for the fund like money that like the fund makes like to manage it or something like that or like I don't, I don't know it's something like that but guys like it's it's pretty much you know like a an expense like that you have to pay like for owning the asset like i, I think it's it's like you know the price for them like managing it or, or something like that not positive but yeah it's and like most people don't know like it might be like a super crazy number you know, in the long run, like it could be like, I don't know, like 2% or something like that. And like, you know, like if you're making like six to eight, like, you know, on average, like that could be a, a significant amount, you know, over, over the course of your, your career. Right. Yeah. It, it can really add up very well. Um, some expense ratio, I think, especially for active funds are much higher. Uh, there's probably some fine print and hidden cost of <laughs> <Yeah>. management. <laughs> I'm sure there's some piece uh, there that you 
it, it's not very easy to find. Yeah. Uh, but if you invest in something really simple like index funds, some of them are really, really low expense ratios, like 0.04%, as opposed to like even 0.7 for um, a, a target retirement fund. Um, exactly. At least this is based on what I know, what my experience were. Yeah. Uh, so check your uh, your funds in your retirement <laughs> accounts or your uh, accounts. Make sure that you understand expense ratios because when you're starting, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. But imagine when you're in your retirement age, you're in your 60s, of course, all your savings for decades. Um, if you've got, like, for example, a million there, and the expense ratio is 0.7 versus 0.04%. Just imagine how much you're paying per year. It's That's really a big difference, right? Yeah, I totally agree, man. And to transition a little bit into real estate, <laughs> different kind of asset. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool, man. You know, like how you got started and like, you know, just kind of jumping into something that was like completely different or actually, no, let, let me pedal back a little bit. Like the way you, you got into it, you know, and just kind of like we're paying rent, you know, for all this time. and like the culture shock of, you know, like them wanting to raise the rent, like a significant amount, like, <laughs> and, you know, just being able to like, ask the question, like, Oh, like, is this it? Like, do I just, you know, keep paying it? Like they keep, you know, jacking the rent up and stuff like that. And like, that's it. Like, <laughs> but no, you know, it's like, there's other, other options out there. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I think it was super cool, you know, how like you looked into, something completely different, you know, and eventually found bigger pockets and, um, you know, like use that commute time for podcasts. That's something that's absolutely huge. I, I love that so much. You know, it's like whenever you're in the car, you know, throw on like a podcast or an audio book or something like that. And just kind of, you know, cruise to work and, you know, just kind of like absorb like all the nuggets and stuff like that, that are in there. And I mean, like two hours, like collectively a day, man, like you could bang out, like, a lot of episodes in like a week you know mm. like <laughs> that's not yeah. yeah that's one of my actually favorite parts of my day for so long <laughs> podcast because i learned so much i guess going through what i've been through it's always a growth mindset you always need to learn and want to learn it's part of me now so i'm just going for everything i can learn keep growing of course and like that's something that that i really like about this kind of stuff too man is like the information is all out there and like it's it's kind of up to you as an individual like how much you want to learn and like how fast you want to learn it and like it's just like it's all there you know like books and and podcasts and you know like youtube videos and stuff like that like it's all there like it's all just like you know how fast you want to pick it up and like how much you're like trying to absorb and it's it's super cool yeah i learned so much online um, yeah, <laughs> this day and age, really, you learn so much, and it's, it's a lot of them are free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like it's, it's absolutely crazy. And Eric, I wanted to ask. So, with that first um, three family in in Boston, um, obviously you were owner occupying it. Did you use like a like an FHA loan or something something like that, or like a conventional? Like, did you have to owner occupy it? Uh, yes, we owner occupied it. I owner occupied it during that time, which was just me, uh, me and my uh, then girlfriend. 
now wife, Kim, uh, who's now living with me in that triplex. Um, so I bought that with a low down conventional loan. Gotcha. So it was supposed to be around 5%, but with the purchase price, they capped how much they loaned. So I ended up putting down about 70K, which is around 7, 8%, uh -huh. which is still low than yeah. other products. So yeah, so that's how I financed that. Yeah. Uh, through my savings basically more savings i've been saving a lot uh, since, yeah. ever since so that helped that's awesome how has it kind of been like you know from then to now you know like turning over you know like the tenants and the units and stuff like that and like you know getting those rents closer to market and closer to what you were paying in cambridge <laughs> oh wow yeah so um the when i got the property in 2019 they were all under market rents right Yes. So one, I basically tried to renew what I can. Um, there's one that there's two, I think that's month to month. One has a lease. Um, so the lease one ended end of the year and they just left after that. So the other one, I want to increase to like 1500 from 1000, which is a lot of um, difference. So it can be a shocking, but they left after a month um, yeah. or two months, six, like 60 day notice. They just left, they decided they're just gonna find another place to rent. So that wasn't a problem. The other one uh, gave me a problem. Oh boy. <laughs> so they wanted to stay for another year paying uh, below market rents, right? Uh, Cause they have a kid and they're going to the school. Totally understand. Right, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. Yeah, they just started school. We want to be in the same system, right? Um, so I'm like, okay, but at least pay me a little bit more, so at least it can cover some expenses because my mortgage is really high. So um, we kind of had that ag agreement when we talked, and then um, unbeknownst to me, there's actually a guy who lives there. Actually, it's they have the same name as the kid as a child so when i was looking at Estep the estepel and the other forms i'm like why is the name redundant uh, <laughs> i yeah. thought it was just that and no one mentioned that there's a, a guy who lives there the previous owner just basically said it's um there's a lady there a girl and her kid that's basically everything that i know uh, of course don't know anything I didn't know how to really do my due diligence. And then that guy met me at the basement. I didn't even know he existed. <laughs> One day after acquiring the property when I was with a contractor, because I was trying to figure out what to do in my basement. Yeah, uh, That wasn't a very good interaction. Uh, he was just, a, uh, I would just say, uh, I think really evil person. And I was super scared. So I tried to get them out. And yeah. since... <laughs> Uh, I was, I basically got into the, I was fearful, right? I was scared. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. So I hired a lawyer for an eviction. <laughs> hey, I don't blame you, man. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we live in Massachusetts, right? It's not a, a landlord friendly state. So uh -uh. <laughs> I didn't know about that too. So I tried to go there, basically told my lawyer, please help me. I need to get them out. Um, Cause I was supposed to live in that building. Yeah. After that interaction, I was scared to live in that building. I'm like, I can't live there. I fear for my life. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
So please, lawyer, please help me. So the, we went through the motions and we know that it takes a real long time for an eviction process to go there. Of course, we stopped paying and they, uh, we filed the eviction and they countered that eviction with other stuff. I don't know what, how to really explain that, but yeah. from a legal point of view, I'm sure they have other ways to kind of counter whatever trying to do and just delay the process which they can, I guess, more so messages than other states. So it took a long time. Um, that started, I think, October of 2019 when I got that. Um, and then, um, and you know what happened in 2020, right? The pandemic came. Of course, we're still in the process. We haven't even <laughs> got a court date. Um, so basically it boiled down to time and money right yeah. my lawyer told me they're asking for this much money we've been negotiating they want they're asking for a ridiculous amount to get to leave right uh, things were shutting down they want this amount of money uh, it's either pay them now before things shut down in march or they'll just stay there indefinitely and you don't know how long things are gonna get the, oh boy the, the courthouses are closing right <laughs> no one knows what's going on they can stay there forever and definitely I needed the place to live because I've been extending my 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 apartment in Cambridge month to month because my lease ended. Yeah. I I, I wanted to owner occupy and live there, but with this situation, I was scared uh, for safety, right? For safety reasons, I tried to delay it until I get them out. So um I paid them. <laughs> basically yeah it was painful it's just a 1500 grand lesson um on top of lawyer fees but they left yeah. uh, they left after a week after i paid them so after that end of march i moved in <laughs> i like finally i get to settle down and do house stuff all the yeah the repairs and, and, and upgrades i wanted to do so when things shut down i had a few months to kind of did what i did um paint everything, change all fixtures, uh, repair gutters, uh, paint and fix the front facade, the front door, the whole thing, change all the mailboxes, because um, uh, put some lights at the back for safety reasons, because yeah. uh, there's no lights in the backyard. It was super dark at night. Um, what else did I do? Um, yeah, so basically did, those turnover stuff make the place nicer safer um and then we rented it over that summer the new tenants to market rents which is great yeah, that's awesome <laughs> it is great so that's that's kind of the best feeling i've had after that like finally uh someone's paying yeah <laughs> i was bleeding there for 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 a long time almost a, yeah for several months almost yeah. a year that's crazy man like like you could even like just imagine you know like if you didn't have the money or something like that or like you know wanted to like go through the courts a little bit more and like kind of you know what we see now like you know post covid maybe <laughs> you know and like how like backed up the courts are and stuff like that now like like i wonder if they would literally you know 
because of how like delayed everything was like still be living in there you know today and like if you were like still dealing with that problem and like you know they could have like destroyed everything and yeah I, I couldn't even imagine man that that must have been a kind of a tough one to to go through <laughs> it was super stressful in my life it's like uh, from my background I never want to go to courts I never want to deal with all those yeah. things um it was really scary um it's a good thing I have a good W2 job so I can float that uh, yeah. without much problems yeah. uh, from a financial point of view so that I can cover that with my job. But that was painful, uh, yeah. obviously. And like, how do you like, how do you do like due diligence against that? You know, like, it's just like, oh, you know, it's just this woman and her kid. And like, you know, all of a sudden this guy shows up like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. When I, yeah, sorry. Um, when I met him at the basement, right? I tried to introduce myself and shake his hand. He never even shook my hand. It was just, anyway, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> yeah. Got over that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was a stressful time in my life. Yeah. Learned it's interesting, man. Yeah, that's something that I'm like starting to, starting to kind of see a little bit um, is like to pay attention to like who's coming to your property often and like you know like the cars that are coming in and out and like just kind of seeing like who's around and like who's on the leases and stuff like that and like because it's going to be you know sometimes could be a little bit different than like what's on the lease you know and like mm -hmm. just kind of seeing like yeah you know like who's going into like what you yeah exactly you know like just like the who's coming in and out of like what units and stuff like that and like the cars that are coming in and out and the people and like just kind of getting a feel for like the environment at a property you know just to kind of see like what's in the norm like who's kicking around and like what's not in the norm and like do I need to take action on anything and like yeah it's definitely something that um that's been a little bit of an eye-opener uh you know to me so far is is just kind of seeing well you know who's around basically <laughs> yeah it's gonna be much easier when you house hack because you're pretty much there all the time so yeah um, yeah going through the process uh definitely a lesson learned especially in this state in massachusetts um as much as possible work it out for your tenants right don't go the eviction route cost time and money yeah um yeah that's the biggest lesson i've learned try to work it out with your tenants as much as possible to come to an agreement even if it costs you a few months yeah um it's still much better than like half a year to a year i've heard stories in massachusetts that didn't go that long or even longer exactly. than that, but yeah it can really be costly so that's yeah. my biggest lesson learned there that's huge man that's super valuable all right guys that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.